Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. Today it is myself, Ethan, and I am joined with Elkin. It's the double E, and we are going to talk about the Lakers to start today. Elkin, we're both huge Lakers fans. This is an absolute lie, but I think we can find <laughs> I think we can find a way to be optimistic about these guys' chances with or without LeBron James in the future. Yeah, that's something that we may not be Lakers fans, but I'll give this to the Lakers. They've been building up some young some young talent. They've been going steady, though, with their number two picks. And they lost a former number two pick in D'Angelo Russell. We'll trade him away. But I'll, as rough as it's been the last few years, Ethan, at least they got some hope for the future. And they got some players that have potential. And if they get the number two pick again this year, they'll be very they'll be very upset because they'll be going to the arch-rival Celtics. And that's probably mm. the the last place they want their number two picks going. But to get to get this started, Elkin, let's talk about their best players, their young guns, the guys who are going to be on this team, hopefully going forward and in the into the long future. Got the boy Brandon Ingram, the 6'10, 6'11, Duke guy. Got Lonzo Ball out of UCLA, Kyle Kuzma from the University of Utah, and Josh Hart, national champion Josh Hart from Villanova. All these guys. Three of them rookies this year. Brandon Ingram is in his second season. Um, how do we feel about that little bunch of players? I know Josh Hart might not be on a lot of people's radar as a core piece, but I like him kind of like when we when I did it with Sergio talking about some of the Bulls players. He's just one of those guys you want on your roster. Go ahead and give me yeah. your thoughts on some of these guys. Yeah, and I'll pick it back off the Josh Hart comment. I was watching several Lakers game after well during the time Lonzo got injured, and one of the biggest things I saw was just how NBA-ready Josh Hart was. A lot of guys, they step in rookie season, been on the bench, especially the guy who's drafting the position he was. And it almost seems like they might score against a bench unit constantly. But he was starting, and he was producing for them. I think that's what impressed me the most, because he's not a small guard. He's he's the size that you want in a guard, especially one who handles the ball a lot. So I really liked him. Um, Brandon Ingram, I'm interested to see what his ceiling's going to be. I think, though, the superstar ceiling, I don't see it as much. He's a good, he's a good player. I'll, I'll say that about him. I think he's going to improve, but I don't see the superstar we once saw. The Kevin Durant, the only thing was they might have had similar body types, but that's where the comparisons for me. Because I mean, defense, ball handling skills. I still see Kevin Durant being head the shoulders over him, but I know Kevin Durant's just a physical phenomenon, right? And the other two guys, Kyle Kuzma and Lonzo. Kyle Kuzma, such a value pick, especially where they got him. And I remember we spoke about him briefly because we were talking back and forth in one of our previous pods as far as what do we think of him. I think sometimes we were like, I don't really know if he's, if I think he's going to be that good. But then other times kind of went back the other way like, oh, you know what? They could have something with Kyle. And then Lonzo. I'm just ruling them all off before Ethan steps in, but – Lonzo's doing a lot better since coming back from injury. That's one yeah. thing I'll point out. Since coming back, he's like a he's a different player. And just watching him even last in I believe it was the game against the Spurs last night. Even seeing him there was good. Yeah. Seeing him just distribute the ball. His three point shots been looking much better. Still keeping the same form, but as I said before, it doesn't matter the form as long as it's consistent and it works. That's what matters to me. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, everyone will remember. Like I was, I'm, I was very high on Lonzo as a prospect. I, I didn't think he'd be a scorer necessarily. Like I wasn't going to jump that far into the pool, but I definitely believe in his ability to control, control an offensive game, really push the pace, keep, keep the team running at an efficient level. Um, Kyle Kuzma, I am on, I am on the record. I think he's, his stats are kind of empty. It's a looter and a riot situation. He's got plenty of skills and I think he could develop into something that is like, um, you know, six man ish in terms of what you actually want out of that, that position, but not like if, if and he could be a starter too, but like, he's, he's the guy who can come and give you a burst from time to time, but he's not, he's not the guy that you really want making, making or breaking your franchise. But and, and Josh Hart, I love the guy. I mean, he broke me. He hurt me so many times playing against Xavier <laughs> in the Big East tournaments and Big East regular season. Um, but the guys, the guys, you know, he's he's just such a solid player. Um, he, he's a good catch and shoot guy. Got nice size, so he can flop back and forth from point guard to shooting guard. Um, I, I really like him as a uh, as a prospect going forward. Um, but let, let, I think we, we need to focus on on Brandon Ingram the most because this guy is is what's supposed to be the superstar on this team, the super duper star, the guy who's going to go get you thirty in a in a key game. And frankly, Elkin, and you mentioned it too. Like I think I thought the Brandon the Brandon Ingram to Kevin Durant comparisons were were were, were they were a waste of time because uh, Kevin Durant had a natural flow to his game from day one, like he, he didn't have everything put together. Like if you go back and look at his rookie years, like the reason he is probably going to miss out on like a 50, 40, 90 career mark is because of his rookie season, mm-hmm. you know, just checking up a lot of shots in Seattle, but the guy's got so much talent still. I'm talking about Brandon Ingram. And I, I think what it comes down to is like his, his partner, Lyle Dang is who I've compared him to. Like he's just good, good at a, a bunch of different things. I think he'll probably score more points a game when you look at the careers than Luau did because of the style of play in the NBA as, as he's come into it. Mm-hmm. But I just – I don't think he's a guy who can carry you. He needs that Derrick Rose figure in his life to really make him, like, be there. And, like, you know, he, he'll make an all-star team. But if he makes more than four, I'd be, I'd be kind of surprised. Yeah, and I was looking at the one of my favorite things to, to look at is a Carmelo project that looks at projects a player's career and which players are going to be like based on wins above replacement. And right now, the and tell me what you think. Here are the top five comparable players to Brandon Ingram: Marvin Williams, Mo Harkless, Stanley Johnson, Justice Winslow, and Michael Kidd Gilchrist. I think he's and, better than all of them, though. And that's the thing. I think it offered more. But then here are the back. Here are the back five. So it's ten players: J.R. Smith, Giannis, Bradley Beal, Aaron Gordon, and a 2005 Chris Bosh. Yeah. So the, the, these comparisons make no sense to me. Yeah. That that's why. I mean, that's why the stat is one of those things you're kind of just like, eh. Where I see him as, he's gonna be a guy that if you surround him with players, kind of you say like a little Dan with Derrick Rose, who have that superstar talent, I think he's gonna flourish. I can see him being second or third option and being very productive in that role. But the go-to guy, that's one thing I can't see saying what or reflecting what you said. I really can't see it. Yeah, sometimes you see flashes like, oh, he could really take over, but and I'm also going to say this. I believe he just turned 20. Right. Oh, he's very young. He is. He is super young. And that's one thing I am keeping in mind that players may start off like this. Who knows? Five years from now, we could be talking about Man, what happened to Brandon Ingram and look what he did, but 
Yeah. I think most likely I will go with that. He has all-star caliber, and he's probably going to get to those few all-star games. Especially playing in the Los Angeles market. Like, he, he could go off for a 15 per game, mm-hmm. uh, but have like a few prolific games in that thing and just ride the wave of Los Angeles voting. Um <laughs> But the thing about Brandon Ingram, though, like, and what I do like about him is he's got that size. So mm-hmm. if he ages and puts on some some muscle, like, even if he's not the prolific scorer from the three spot, like he was supposed to, he's supposed to be, he could easily slide into a stretch four role and like be a really super valuable stretch four. But look what Kevin Durant's doing, and all this deep boy talk is nonsense. But mm-hmm. um, we we see how Kevin Durant's turned into a pretty solid defensive player. And uh, if Brandon Ingram just slides into that role earlier in his career, perhaps because of the way the NBA is being played now, if he puts on that extra bulk, um, he could be a monster in that position. Whereas I think I think his ceiling as a three is is is, is smaller. It's just yeah. closer to his head. So looking at that group of core players, I noticed that you're essentially suggesting the Lakers should move on from a Julius Randle type of player then. I I look at Julius Randle and I, I see this. Um, the reason I didn't list him there is because mm-hmm. I think no matter what, they're not going to send him a qualifying offer because they're going to keep their cap space available for one LeBron James and Paul George. <laughs> so that's why I didn't include him there because if they don't get around to offer, sending out a qualifying offer, I think they would love to retain him because he makes sense in a cent- as a center for in a lot of ways. Like I watched him play against Hassan Whiteside. And Hassan Whiteside is maybe not the best example this year for what a good center looks like. But Julius Randle was getting everything he wanted against Hassan for the most part because Hassan, I guess, is too stupid to figure out that <laughs> he's, he's going to go left. So, um, hey, man, the lefties are tricky. They always mention how tricky they are. Yeah, I don't understand that at all. Anyway, but, like, with that with that in mind, um, by the time – like, so, some team's going to snatch him up and – I think he'll be willing to go somewhere, especially with the Lakers. Like, no, we, we got to wait to send that qualifying offer to you. He'll be like, oh, well, like, if I was a player like that, I'd be like, no, like, you, if you think I'm good, you should pay me. But, like, I know, obviously, like, you got to hold out for LeBron and Paul George. But I, I, see, I see him moving on at the end of the season for that reason. All right. All right. Fair enough. And then out of those four, are we going to say Lonzo Ball has the highest ceiling out of them, or is it a Brandon Ingram? I still think Brandon Ingram has the higher ceiling. I I just think Lonzo Ball is is it's hard to like negotiate this because Brandon Ingram has like he's he's showing some playmaking ability already, and he obviously has the size that you need to be an elite scorer. Like he's he's got like a, he's got all the measurables, you know. It's just I I think Lonzo Ball he's got that like he's got maybe the intangible thing, the thing that you can't really put a price on. Because like I just look at how he's played here recently. And he just – he seems like be so willing to do whatever his team needs him to do. And if his shot becomes more consistent, then he's really going to be a terrifying person because he's mm. so ready to pass and make that perfect one. But then if he all of a sudden is ready to shoot and make some clutch threes like he did against the Spurs, like all of a sudden he's he's terrifying. And that's – he doesn't even have to reach his ceiling because he's like he, – I think he's just – I think he's kind of close to it already. It's just a matter of uh, t- tying everything up because like this guy – like he he's already putting up some really solid numbers. Like he he can and he, and he controls the game, which is so hard to do as a rookie. I'm pulling up his stats right now just because I wanted to review them. So he's averaging seven point one assists, seven point one rebounds, and ten point four points. Like and I see him maxing out at like an eighteen 
like a eleven and nine guy. Like he, he could be a triple double machine. Like I, I kind of look at him like a Rajon Rondo in terms of the way he's kind of tries to control a game, but with without the holding on to the ball just for that one assist. Like he's getting seven point one assists, but he's he's not like just assist hunting. He's just throwing the ball around and making the plays. You know. Yeah, and and you bring up a good point because that was what Rondo was famous for. He's like, if I can't get the assist, no one gets the assist. But Lonzo tries to make it so, hey, let's change the culture. And that's one thing I'll give. And I, I heard this from high school to college about him that he's more like, if I share the rock, then my teammates are going to keep doing it. And that's what we want to keep doing, spreading it around where everyone is sharing it. Right. So like, he, he's somewhere in between that Ricky Rubio and Rajon Rondo. Because I think he's got he's got a lot of defensive potential, too. That's why those guys are good comparisons, I think. Mm-hmm. Jalen Rose got that one right. All right. So – the main bad contract that's been spoken about for years with them is that Luol Dane contract. So I, I don't know why they signed him to that. I believe right. it's a twenty. It's a It's a summer of twenty sixteen casualty. Is it a twenty sixteen yeah, casualty? It is. It is where teams, for some reason, have it in their minds that they need to spend all their cap space. I don't know. I don't know why some GMs think that they need to spend all of it. But two years, thirty six million left. Is that contract staying on the books until it's done, or are they going to do anything to move it? The only way I see that being moved is if they could trade it with a first-round pick for next season before they sign, like, a LeBron James or something. Like, like oh, yeah, we'll value that pick, and they sign a whole bunch of people. Like, I mean, it's – it's like, it's – and that's still ill conceived because if they if someone's taking on that contract, they know that it's because they have it in the works that they're going to be signing a whole bunch of stars. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing: um, I could see that contract being uh, stretched and waived just to open up that little bit extra cap space for like a, a team that might have a LeBron James and a Paul George trying to open up the extra few million to throw at some minimum guys that want to come in and try and win a title. I could see that happening. That seems like the most likely thing to happen. Uh, if they miss out on those two players, I think it'd be very wise to just hold on to him because that $16 million in cap relief, you can give someone the next year. Like if someone has like, you know, a, a new a new 2016 contract, you know, something that's overvalued, you can send them that, that expiring deal and bring on value in return. But that's only if you miss out on like a LeBron James and you, are not going to be a title contender. Fair enough, fair enough. And do you think they have much of a chance to pick up marquee free agents? Or one of the rumors I heard around is they want to wait until 2019 to oh, try to go yeah. for like a Jimmy Butler type of player or a Kawhi Leonard type of player? So that's some nice posturing by the, the Lakers as an organization. I, I don't doubt that they have some intentions of holding out till that next year, you know, just because they'll be – I think they'll be more primed and ready. Like you'll have another year, like the young guys, like where you can really sell them on being part of the next team. You know, because like, like if LeBron comes this year, you know, there's there's a chance that some of these young players are not going to be in LeBron's favor. And as much as you don't want to just ditch these young guys, like LeBron's the best player in the world still. So you need to make mm-hmm. sure sure you're you're surrounding him with players that help him. Um, but yeah, I think that's mainly just posturing from the Lakers, like. If if they can sign LeBron James, they're gonna say yes, you know. <laughs> like that, that that's I mean, what it comes think, down to. <laughs> yeah, and I think I mean any team would do that. If they doesn't matter what they have, doesn't matter if LeBron's like, hey, I want to go to your team. They're like, all right, what do we have to give up? Yeah, because it doesn't even matter if you, your team could stink with LeBron James, but you know what? You got all the national media on you for an entire year. Yep, that's a big deal. 
Um, so yeah, like, they're, like next year they only have thirty nine million dollars on the books. So that's mm-hmm. if, if it's at that's like sixty million dollars in space. So like thirty million for each superstar player. So you can get two of them. The extra sixteen million from the Wild Dang would be nice to get off, but it's not criti- critical. Or eighteen million, I should say. And then, because if they could keep that, and I think they'll be able to keep that core and pick up someone. I mean, you, at least you're building off of something, and it might be a few years, but you can make it happen. And of course, and it won't be through the, won't be through the draft. It seems like this year. I mean, all they have is Cleveland's pick, and they got. The the second round pick is is it one from Denver from yeah, this year? They got they, yeah they don't have their own picks this year in either yeah. of the rounds, but they have a first coming from Cleveland and a second coming from Denver. Okay, okay. So, so they, probably yeah. don't, they probably don't care about the draft as much. Obviously, I mean they no. Can. I mean they're they're you can always find an asset like like they yeah. found a Kuzma last year, like they found a Josh Hart last year. You know, there's always there's always some value out here, and they're they're going to do their best to find it. Yeah. But the, I, I I think the focus is free agency because even if you miss out on your big swings, you're going to need to find people to eat up that salary that um are not long term deals because you got to keep your space open. So you could see you could see Isaiah Thomas getting a nice little chunk of change if if they're not going to get any real free agents. Yeah, and and by mine, I think. If things go well for them, I think in two to three years, we might finally see a full turnaround, which I know Lakers aren't a team that really I – mean, they've had such good luck in the past for getting superstars. But if things go for them in two or three years, they could have a solid roster that you have two players who are top 20 players, top 15 players, and surround them with a good supporting cast. And I think it'll be, it can be a very dangerous team. And then that's when you have teams that are – the Warriors, you're starting to have those guys hit the 30-year-old mark and get a little bit older, and you hope that they won't be that good for too long. But with the Warriors, who knows? They might be good for five more years. You mean the Warriors? <laughs> Warriors hitting the 30-year-old mark. That's how old Curry and Durant are right now. So Yeah, and Draymond just turned 28. But still, these guys, probably knowing them, they'll probably still play the same way four or five years from now. Yeah, they got they got the graceful games. Draymond Green's the only person I worry about that could fall off a cliff for the simple fact that he is so dependent on his strength and athleticism, like the mm-hmm. combination of the two. And if he turns into just a, a mauler, then he's that, that's a that's a st- big step back. So, but let's not get too ahead of ourselves. We'll get there. We'll get there to the Warriors. We'll we'll have our takes. Uh, on that note, though, I am done with the Lakers. I think I am too. I, I think we've kind of b- bounced out what they want to do, but the rest of this year, man, I hope they get to play some spoiler. Like, I mean, the Lakers are a fun team to watch. They're number one in the league in pace. They really push the ball, and that's one of the reasons they gave the Heat so much problems, as we, you know, vaguely yeah. discussed. And they really have nothing to lose by winning. I'm sorry, by losing, they have well by winning, and they have nothing to lose. So why not go out there? You can't mess up your draft pick, so just go out there and. Right, and and what 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 better way to entice a LeBron James than putting on a nice five game winning streak and more here to finish out this year and really show LeBron that these young guys can play? Uh, it all I like comes it. Back to I LeBron. like it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, Elkin. So right. we're gonna we're gonna do a little switch up here. Like, our, if our listeners have been paying attention and really going going and following us, they know that we've been going up the standings. This year, we we started off with like the Hornets, who were down the bottom at the time, and mm-hmm. the Kings, and some of these other teams that are really stinky or had been stinking. 
and we worked our way up to playoff teams. Well, the Lakers were the last team that's basically eliminated from playoff contention. And so now we're going to flip the standings. We're going to start going up to the top, working with the two, like the four teams, the Warriors, uh, Rockets, Celtics, and Raptors, all that basically have the one or two seed in their conference on lock because we think that their trajectory and their, their, their storylines for the season minus like, you know, dream on green technicals are basically wrapped up. They're, they're, <laughs> they got, they got their seedings. So dream on green technicals. That's right. And, and Kevin Durant technicals, you know, they're all angry people out there in golden state. Anyway. So we're going to, we're going to do the warriors today. Sticking with the California teams. Only the Clippers will remain when we're done with this. And so Elkin, I got their core players. I listed five of them. And we'll understand why as we go through this. It is Stephen Curry, Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Jordan Bell. Now, you mentioned specifically that Jordan Bell, when I put him as the fifth player on that list, um, you kind of like, you know, raised your eyebrow. I don't know if it was like kind of like, a, oh, that's a good point, or if that's a, oh, Ethan, you're hating on people. So I'd like you to you explain your eyebrow. <sighs> Uh, for the record, this is not a visual medium, but Elkin just raised his eyebrows again. I'm honestly just giving you – I was just giving you a hard time about that. Oh. Like, so – Because, really, I mean, because – go ahead, go ahead. You continue on. I'll tell you. I'll tell well, you. I'm just wondering because, like, I, I look at Jordan Bell as the a new Draymond Green light for, like, the team that made the, like, first run. You know, the team that ended up losing to the mm-hmm. – to the Clippers, you know, he, he was the guy who wasn't starting. He was coming off the bench behind David Lee, and he really helped push that sec- those second units to, like, a little an, an extra level with his defense. Um, I look at Jordan Bell as, like, he's the guy that the Warriors kind of need to, like, make sure that they are not just falling off the face of the earth when they get in their mood sometimes. You know, they they are these these people who want to yell at the refs now. And uh, Jordan Bell's like, he, he might be the same way, but he he's the guy who will still come out and compete, whereas Durant and – Green have gotten a little lackadaisical at times when they get frustrated. Yeah, and he, and I'm I'm looking here at the roster, looking at the makeup of the roster, and I was thinking of two guys, but then I also think about these are two guys that we have listed as bad contract, and I think of Andre Godal and Sean Livingston at first, and this this was my first thought. So I read it, I was like, all right, Jordan Bell. I was like, man, but how about Iguodala and Livingston? Do they add more? But then I'm trying to think, what are players you want to keep moving forward? And that's what we really bring. We always talk about that for core players. These are the players you want to move your team with. And in all honesty, you want to try to get rid of contracts like Iguodala and Livingston. They've been great to the Warriors, but I think a lot of people were kind of confused. Like, why did they offer the contracts that they did to these guys? Yeah, that kind of threw some people off. No, this 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 Iguodala contract. It was it was a leverage play. He's been very important to this team and them winning two championships here recently. But the dude is this is this is not far from what a Luol Deng contract is in terms of it's not very valuable. Like it's I more mean, it's more of it's, it's more yeah, valuable it's to this team because yep. this is a team that's a title contender. But Lu, we don't know Luol Deng might still be a league contributor if he played for a good team. But like so much like I, I look at the last year he played for the Heat. And he was a, a very solid player, playing a lot of stretch four, really making an, an important – playing an important role. It ended up being a, a seven, game seven loss to the Raptors on the eve of the conference finals. Like, who's to say that he couldn't be doing that still if he was playing for a team that utilized him, where the Lakers just don't have the capacity to? And and that's what 
like I was just thinking, I was like, who could you who could you bring in? And I'm like you could have a guy who puts in the, who gets put in the right situation, like a little thing. How you're saying there, if he gets put in the right place, make it happen. And I'm looking at, I know, Iguodala has gotten a lot older. I'm looking at his current stats right now. I'm looking what he provides. And I, I always keep in mind with Iguodala, he's the type of player that sometimes the stats don't do his justice. But then I think, could they have brought in another player, lesser amount of money? And still get the same amount of production, and that's where. Yeah, it's it's tough because he's important, to like the the whole mm-hmm. chemistry aspect, and that's something yeah. that you can't really uh, you can't really discount in this type of situation. But like, he's not playing as many games. He's been really, he's been really like, he's been hurt a lot this year, just like mm-hmm. you know, nagging injuries. And I just look at him as someone who he's now like the mark in a series. Like you're okay with just leaving him be. Like you go ahead, Iggy. Pull out your best self and try to beat us. Because this dude's shooting 25% from three this year. <laughs> and if we're talking – like that, I, th- I think if you put out Jordan Bell and let him start firing threes away, he could do the exact same percentage. So and I, think I would I, rather have the athletic yeah. Jordan Bell in that and teams are And teams are just leaving them. And one thing I think about it like this too, when you have Iguodala and Limestem playing together, then you have that issue of everyone's going to try to pack – Pack the paint just a little bit more right. on those guys. Because Livingston, I'm, out of all the games I've seen Livingston, I've only seen him shoot a three-pointer if the shot clock is down. I don't think I've ever seen him shoot a three. Not willingly. Not willingly. But, he, so, he averages .1 three-point three attempts for his career. Mm-hmm. His peak his peak season in three-point attempt rate was .3 when he, the year he tore up his knee. So, Ooh. like – like he he's not a three point shooter. He is a let me see this percentage a eighteen percent three point shooter for his career. All right, so let, let's rerun the clock the clock a little bit. Let's just say we're the Warriors, and we don't plan on signing these players. I know chemistry is going to be kind of take a small hit, but we still have our core. We have our core guys. At the end of the day, no one has four all stars like we do. Who do who would I who would you have brought in? to replace an Iguodala or Sean Livingston? Man, it's, it's tough now retroactively because you ha- you know, not only do you have the aspect of um, not you don't have bird rights. You had bird rights on these guys, so you can yeah. pay them and, and retain easier. But, like, it's not just bringing them back. It's signing Nick Young. You know, it's – it's like, Omri Caspi is a good fit, I think. But, like, it, it, it was a combination of, like, oh, yeah, let's round out our bench with guys like Nick Young. Like no, like, come on! Like that that wasn't a, that wasn't a good allocation of dollars. I don't know what would have been the best way to do it, but I I, the, I think the overall point like this is where the that I where I get separated from an elite GM because like I don't I don't have the recall to tell you who we should who they should have gotten, but I just remember when it, I was hearing like twenty million dollars for um, Iguodala to go play for the the Kings. I was like, please let him go. Like if he thinks that's what he needs to do with his career, let him go to Sacramento. But, like, you know what? Here's the thing. The Warriors are probably still going to win the championship. Yeah. So, this is all basically a farce. It's just I think what the ex- our exercise we're trying to do here is, is there a better option? I don't know if there was, honestly, because it's just it's hard to find someone who fits so well in terms of chemistry and personality traits that also fits in the money when you don't have bird rights or didn't draft them. And that's the thing that I'm thinking. Like, at first – I just looked up the 2017 unrestricted free agent tracker and I was looking at it and I was like, oh, some of these guys can make an impact. But then I keep thinking bird rights without bird rights to pretty much have no space to sign 
Yeah. Any of the like, do you know how much did they did they have any space at all? Do you know? I, I know something off the top of your head. I'm putting you. No, I, I, I think they had some space due to the fact that Curry signed his veteran players ex- uh, extension after Kevin Durant signed back, after Iguodala signed back. Like, he kind of let that sit there because he was eligible for that no matter what. So, like, I think he was a salary cap circumvention um, yeah. more so than anything else. So, like, could, I think I think they had I see, minor yeah. flexibility up until Curry uh, signed his extension officially. Yeah, because I see here they so they signed they signed a Nick Young for about five million. That was the um, what was it the mid level exception? A, That's what he was. Exception. Oh man! So like that that could have been used on almost anybody, and you could have got him. You know anybody that's that that level of player. Like it's just you brought in a guy who you know is not going to play defense well. Like that seems so, like a poor choice. So then I'm going to ask you. So mid level ex- exception. Can you explain to everyone what the mid-level exceptions is for? What do they? What do teams use it for? No, I can't. <laughs> I just know where it, where it comes, like and how it's valued in terms of it's it's a way for people to circumvent mm-hmm. the cap without paying yep. luxury taxes. That's what it basically operates as. And I think you only get one every other year. So, you know, you know who I'd like to have seen on the Warriors, but I know there would have been no way it would have happened because of uh, cap space. I wouldn't have minded to see a one James Johnson on the Warriors, huh? Taking that Iguodala spot. Yeah, well, he can shoot just as good. I mean, because <laughs> I always think of Iguodala. Iguodala is that kind of he plays some type of guard handily, and it would be interesting to see bring him in and then bring back, then get a Dion Waiters. Just get those two Heat guys. That's all you need. <laughs> Gosh, it would it wouldn't have been fair. <laughs> no, uh, um, it's just, it's just like the words are so good, man, and it's just it's so hard to like try to find a. It's a hard to find a real, a real fit there, like mm-hmm. especially because like it, it has to fit personality wise. Yeah, like, you can't be just bringing in new guys that don't don't play well with Steph and don't you know. But yeah, and anyway, I also say this: as much as people get on Steve Kerr, the ability, and I think this is such an underrated underrated value in a coach the ability to manage egos and handle personalities is one of the best traits a coach can have i remember lavar Le- ball saying steve kerr is not really much of a coach anyone can do that and yes steve kerr he has the players he has but you look at all these teams that have had these talents and never once gotten over the hump you look at all these teams that had jordan before phil jackson all the teams that had kobe all the coaches that have these players like kobe and Shaq, and they couldn't win and i see it as you need to have someone to manage, and without Steve Kerr, I think they still would have probably had a championship. But I think Steve Kerr just pushes them a little bit more. You know, I, it's so hard to uh, to like. And I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm good going down this road, but like, you think about how much a coach personality has to do with mm-hmm. who wants to come play for you. Yeah, you know, and it's it's always hard to like figure out. Okay, is it location? Is it the coach? Is it the other players? Is it the ownership? And what is like the factors that really, really weigh on someone and when they choose? Like, if Tom Thibodeau coached in Golden State, like does does Durant want to go play for Coach Thibodeau? Uh, it's mm-hmm. yes, it's we don't know, but he he doesn't seem like the kind of personality that would cultivate the atmosphere the Warriors have. Like you look at what um like Popovich has. 
even Popovich. He's he's a guy who brings in a lot of veterans that are on their last legs and gets the most out of them. But he doesn't really usually bring in a young guy that is still looking to find his way in the NBA, mm-hmm. unless it's a homegrown young guy. Uh you know, it's just it's so hard to, to determine what is a factor. But does Kevin Durant want to go to the Warriors if Steve Kerr, you know, the, the everything's got to have good feng shui kind of coach? Does he want to go play for a team that has more of a drill sergeant coach? Because do, do the Warriors have as much fun if they have maybe a, even a better X's and O's coach, but someone who doesn't allow the, the, the personalities to flourish? I don't see it happening. I mean, you have to – but – I always think I always think of the opposite side of the spectrum though. Like, if he sees that hey things are going this way, so successful, what's stopping you from going into a successful situation? If that drill sergeant coaching works, and let's say they're winning championships or winning sixty five plus games, why not still join them? Right. Like it. It's it's really like like as we say, it comes down to the personality of the player and the personality of the coach that's there. Because you know, like I look, I look at Eric Spoelstra, and he's a guy who like expects a lot of us players. He's not really a drill sergeant by any means, but he's a guy who really will set you in your place and say no. Like I, I just look at what I saw on Whiteside. How many max players get their minutes yanked around for every game because of lack of effort? Like most most coaches wouldn't do that to a max, like what they paid a max contract to. But suppose like no, I have a younger, better you right now, and I'm going to play him over you. And he, and he he says it as much, if not just by the minutes he gets. And, you know, for what's worth, like Steve Kerr kind of yanked around Jordan Bell when he would, was maybe lacking effort at different points of the year or showboating for whatever like reason that's unacceptable. Yeah. Like it, it's just so it's just so hard to tell because, you know, LeBron is what brings everyone to the Cavs, not Tyron Lue, not David Blatt or whoever the coach has been. Yeah. Giannis and- is who will bring a player to the Bucks, not not whoever they end up hiring as coach unless they hire Fisdale. Um, but when I look at the Sixers between Embiid and Simmons, and then a guy like Brett Brown, who the players seem to really love and just fawn over, maybe he's like he's the next coach that like we look at like, hey, he's one of the reasons someone's willing to sign that. Like, no offense, I, I, I don't think anyone signed to play with Nate McMillan necessarily. No, no, you're fine. I, like, I suppose to <laughs> think of it is always like a a Brad Stevens. You constantly hear players saying like. I like what Brad Stevens is doing. Like, I think of him as a coach that players would be like, I'll join a team because of him. Right. That's what I see. So then, for the words, let's move past the coach talk. Who is, out of the out of the core four, let's take out, sorry, Jordan Bell. Okay. Who, who's going to be the first the Warriors are going to get rid of or, let's say, move on from? Move on from. Now, I don't think they move on from anyone. The players move on from the Warriors, if that's All right. what it comes to. And Draymond Green – is the set, uh, Clay Thompson? Like uh, Clay Thompson and Durant will both free, be free agents at the end of the next year. I mean, mm-hmm. technically speaking, Durant can be a free agent this coming off season. Yeah, player if option he, if he wants to. But I, I, I don't know. It, 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 he might just be off. Like I don't know how if he's got bird. Like if the bird rights on him, I had to. I, I had to do a deep dive that I don't have time to do right now. But like I'm trying. I'm trying to think if he if he'll just opt in because of you know player retention. Or if he would opt out because they could still pay him more money like that. But he took a he took a, uh, a pay cut to get I- Iggy and Sean Livingston back on the team. So like I I don't Sorry. know. We say pay cut and he's still here getting paid twenty five million. I wish I could take that type of pay cut. Maybe we can just take the money that he didn't take. There we go. We'll take that off his hands and we'll yeah. take the pay at at KD at 
at KD3 tr or Trey5, whatever his uh, Twitter is. Uh, Easy send, Money send, Sniper. Send us, send us that, yeah. uh, send us that pay cut money. We'll, we'll, we'll turn it into, we'll make the Hero Ball podcast even better. Right. So the KD is non bird, right? So they use non bird, right? But still, I, I can see a Draymond Green, though, saying, I want to get paid more or something like that. Our team offers him more and he's saying, I'm going to go. Like, I, I can see Clay Thompson. Obviously, Steph Curry's locked down. Clay Thompson seems like the most chill out of that four. He probably just he's just there for the ride. The thing about about Draymond is if he has any self awareness at all, he'll understand that he's not himself. He's not what Draymond is without being surrounded by all these shooters. Yeah, but that, we don't know that Draymond Green has any self awareness because he doesn't realize that he's an absolute. I almost cursed on the pod. An absolute idiot jerk on the pod uh, on the court. <laughs> Yeah, now I'm flustered. <laughs> That's fine. I think it's I think it's time for us to wrap up talking about the Warriors. He thinks oh. he's so flustered. Ethan just got flustered because he, <laughs> he just does he's not a big fan of Draymond Green, the way he acts on the court. Anyway, uh, just to clarify, like the uh, Warriors have will have $128 million attributed to their uh, cap next year. So free agents <laughs> gonna be a tough sell. The year after that, eighty-five point nine million, and then forty-three and forty-five million, which is just Curry salary in twenty-one, Man. the twenty twenty-one, and the twenty-one twenty-two season. So that's a lot, uh, nice chunk yeah. of change out there. Yeah, Curry's getting that forty million a year. We like that. We are all about the players being paid, Elkin. Don't forget that. I know, but still. But still, you're just you're just looking at that like wondering what we could possibly do with just a, <laughs> an ounce of that cash. I mean, but after, after this year, though, they're really. I'm going to be interested to see which other which other veterans join because you have that you have the Jordan Bell and a Damian Jones on contract. You have that core four guys, then the Livingston and Iguodala, and they'll bring in some. They'll probably need to bring in some other guys to round out the roster. And I'll be interested to see who they bring in, or they might just keep the same guys at a minimum salary. Yeah, I look at Caspi unless he's trying to get paid off of his production, which he hasn't mm -hmm. like shown out an incredible amount. I look at him as being a lock to stay, and I think David West is a lock to stay. I don't think David West is done yet. He, every time I see him play, he's he's making the right plays. He's mentally sharp as can be. I think the most interesting player that like we have mentioned in the core and we haven't bemoaned their salaries is one Patrick McCall, who is going to be an unrestricted free agent, and he will not be back next year. I just don't no. see a way that they retain him. And that's yeah, that's I, that's a, a kind of a sad thing for him as a young player playing with such a good team. He he's going to get some money that's more than a minimum salary, and he's going to have a be he's going to be in a new world when it comes to playing with not Stephen Curry, Durant, Thompson, and Draymond Green. But I mean, at times though, that's what you have to do: flourish, and you got to look out for yourself. It's a business. When the opportunity when the opportunity arises, if someone's offering you six seven million a year compared to just getting paid like one point three million a year. You and gotta the, take it. And in the vein of taking what is yours, what opportunities may arise, Elkin, we all have aspirations of what we wanted to be when we grew up. And Andre Godal once said, I want to be like Steph when I grow up.